We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. This podcast is part of the BombPod Media Network. They're staying in the shadows. It's called probing. Make sure things are all clear. Clear for for the rest of the world. You guys hear that? Welcome to the show, everybody. I am your host, Tony Merkel, and you are listening to The Confessionals, a proud featured show on blogtalkradio.com and a proud partner of the Bomb Pop Media Network. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. And while you're at the website, go ahead and sign up for the free newsletter we send out every month. It's free, so there's nothing to lose. And go ahead and check out the store. We have a lot of cool things in there. T-shirts, pillows, phone cases, mugs, all the stuff with our logo on it. Check it out at theconfessionalspodcast.com. And for this week's iTunes shoutouts, if you haven't heard, we are doing the iTunes shoutouts. All you have to do is go to iTunes, leave a rating or review, and you will get a shoutout on the following week's show. And this week's shoutouts is GX Gillette and Ohm Sweet Home. Thanks so much for going on to iTunes, leaving a rating or review, and I hope you guys continue to enjoy the show for many, many years. Now, this week's show, we have Dave Groves coming on, and Dave Groves is actually a really good friend of mine. He has seen a Bigfoot up close in broad daylight, and he comes on tonight's show to talk about his experience in the Allegheny National Forest where he saw a Bigfoot up close. And we'll get into that right after this.
Okay, tonight I have a great guest coming on. This is actually a very close friend of mine, Dave Groves. He and I connected, you know, a couple years ago when I first started my Facebook group, Pennsylvania Sasquatch Research. I brought Dave on to be an admin to my group, and he proved to just be a very uh, useful asset to the group and even just the Bigfoot community in general. Uh, Dave, how are you doing tonight, man? Oh, I'm doing great. How about yourself, Tony? I'm doing good, man. I'm really excited about having you on. This is something that I've been wanting to do since I started my show because your Bigfoot encounter that you had uh, was one of my most favorite encounters. And then when I found out that you were in PA and that you were in my group, I was like, man, this is great. And we started talking and hit it off. But uh, your encounter is actually something I shared when I spoke at the Chautauqua Lake Bigfoot conference. Uh, I shared it with the people out there and stuff because it's such a rarity to get the detail that you saw that day and right. uh, if you could just start walking us into what you were doing where you were at and how this whole thing developed for you okay uh well first of all uh the encounter happened back in 2010 was in the allegheny national forest which is uh in northwestern pennsylvania it's very old forest old lumber Probably, I think I read somewhere it was like 515,000 acres, 800 square miles of protected wilderness. And outside of the forest, it's still all wilderness. So it's not like it just stops and there's a city or something. It's it's pretty much country and, and woods up that way. And basically what I was doing up there was there's there's four ATV trails in the Allegheny National Forest that are titled ATV trails. There's a lot of outlaw trails, but the ones uh, that the DCNR runs keeps the trails clean and so forth. Uh, there's four of them. And two of them tie together and they make about an 80 mile loop or so. And that's the one I like. It's not technical, but I took a buddy up that day. Uh, he was, he, he's ridden ATVs before, but he was, wasn't like, you know, he didn't fly. He, he wasn't real technical on them. He was more like a, a farmer kind of put, put around in the yard. So he was using my smaller ATV and I was on a, my larger ATV and we headed up, uh, it was pouring down rain that day. I remember. And, uh, he didn't have rain gear. So we had to get rain gear and we went back and then the day turned out to be really nice. And, uh, and, and first I'll, I'll go into this too, is before this happened, I was not a Sasquatch believer, fan, enthusiast, anything. I, I just didn't get into the conversation whether I believed they were existed or not. I, I don't think they did, but you know, it wasn't something I talked about. And, uh, so that wasn't even on my mind, but anyhow, we did the, the full loop. We were headed down to about four and a half, five hours into the ride. And on the way back up, coming north, uh, back to the trailhead, we were, uh, the day turned out to be pretty nice. It quit raining and everything, and it was muddy. It was a lot of fun, uh, but the sun was out. And we were headed back up. We're starting to get later in the day. And Paul, who's my, the friend that was with me, he, uh, we, the, this part of the trail coming up is a, like a dirt road, uh, gravel road you can fly on you're not supposed to but you can fly on this part of the road and i was on my bigger atv it was new i wanted to fly and <clears throat> and he you know was picking up how the trail turned there's little white or yellow arrows that turn so he kind of knew all that by this point of the ride and i told him i'm taking off just be careful and i'll meet you up here where the trail turns off i'll pull over and that's what i did and they uh you know i took off and i that what happened was the trail comes back off this dirt road logging road kind of thing and back into the forest and i just pulled off like brought my atv over to the left and angled it back to the right so i was could look back and see if paul missed a turn off there and and i barely even got stopped i mean i was oh god 
uh, just getting my leg over the ATV rolly. I just took my helmet off and I mean, pretty much very quickly, I noticed rocks were hitting the front right side of my ATV and, and it was the same exact spot I recalled afterwards, uh, which was weird because we, it gets into that thing you hear now about accuracy. You know, people say, well, I, could, well, I can vouch for that. These rocks were hitting, there's maybe two or three of them. It wasn't a lot of them, but it took me one or two to actually realize rocks were even hitting because rocks fly up when you're riding. And, you know, I just stopped and, I, and it was like, what the heck? And I remember seeing something in the right side of my peripheral vision. So I kind of turned to the right and I was facing kind of back to the right where I come from, but these rocks were coming further back, like right off the, tra- the trail where I'd come off. And, uh, I was expecting to see somebody standing there, to be honest. I, I, you know, I don't know what I was expecting to see, but some, something was throwing rocks. And to me, somebody was throwing rocks. I never considered something. Uh, and you know, I just was like, well, you know, I started looking over and I don't know that I would have, you know, I've explained this part several times. And if people have heard it again, I'm, I'm going to be repetitious, but it's the only way I know how to explain it is, <clears throat> is you're making a turn, like with your vision you can see things coming up on the right side. And I, I remember seeing this big dark thing. Uh, well, it wasn't big at the time. I might've thought it was a, a tree or a stump or something. I don't know. I didn't even get to it. It was right about when I got to that area, this thing sprang straight up. I mean, Tony, this thing, it was like automatic. It, it, I'll never forget how it stood up quickly. I was, my eyes weren't right on it when it stood up. I was, it was coming into my view uh, as I was swinging my head around. <clears throat> and here this thing stood straight up and, yeah, it startled me. I wasn't totally freaked out, but it startled me. And I was like, what the, and I mean, this was probably, oh, I'm guessing I, I said 90 feet before because I did step it off later when I found the place and it was 30 large, long steps trying to make them yard. So, uh, it was probably between 70 and 90 feet. Uh, it's even still now I get worked up when I'm telling, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it, it stood up. And then what happened was, this all lasted about 15 seconds. Uh, it wasn't like forever, but it was still a pretty long period of time. And I was looking at it's it, weird. I was looking at its right hand, which was on its left side because it was facing me. But I was looking for rocks, thinking it was right-handed. Don't ask me why, because I think I'm right-handed and think everything else should be, I guess, or whatever. But and but as it looked over at its hand before I got up to its head, its arm moved. Like it bent its hand in front of it. And to me, I remember thinking, it's, I thought whatever it was, its arm was broke because the bottom part of its arm was extremely a lo- lot longer than the top part. You can see the elbow. You can see where the arm, the bottom part was really long. And I've asked people uh, on another interview I did, let me know if you've, if you've seen that. Cause, you know, no one, I've never heard anybody say that before, but I distinctly remember that. And uh, But it froze at that point. It just stood there and stared at me. And I'm telling you, Tony, when I made up my... my I, my vision up towards its face. I couldn't see the detail of its face, like all the lines. I could tell that, I mean, this thing was covered in black hair. It was probably, I could guess, seven and a half, eight foot tall, maybe. And the only way I had to judge was because of the, the grass it was standing in. Uh, the area was like a grassy little field I pulled into 30, maybe 10 feet, 20 feet off from the, the tree line. And that's where it was standing. It And I, dr- I had to drive right past this thing when I come in. And I don't, didn't see it or maybe I thought it was a tree. I don't know. But, uh, as it stood there, it just froze. And that's what I did. I froze and I'm, the shock didn't hit me yet. I'm just trying to figure out what the heck, you know, it's a guy, it's a bear. It's none of that. It's totally obvious that it's none of that. It's 70 feet with no trees between you. And it started occurring to me. I think, I think I know what this is turning out to be. And I mean, I, 
right about the time that I would think I was starting to panic a little bit. Uh, I don't know that what I would have done if it would have lasted any longer, but it started slowly moving backwards and it probably took two or three steps into the wood line and I was on the ATV and gone and it was gone. And that's when I panicked. I mean, I literally pretty much lost function. Uh, I'm freaking out thinking what's coming up behind me. Uh, is this thing running alongside the woods now? Because the, the uh, grass that it was standing in kind of comes narrower towards the trail and then the tree line straight against you as you, as you go down the trail. And I'm thinking it's parallel on me. <clears throat> I had no idea what it was. I knew it wasn't human. I knew it wasn't a bear. And, you know, I've been asked this and I didn't walk up and shake its hand. So I'm not 100% sure, but I'm 99.999. I mean, as sure as I could be, this wasn't no man in a uniform because the size of this thing, Tony, this, I mean, its shoulders were, you know, the height wasn't the, the thing to me, the width of the shoulders. I never got to see the girth. It never turned sideways, it never took its eyes off me as it stepped straight back. It just stepped straight back, like with purpose. And the, the width of the top of this thing was immense. And it's just like everybody describes, you know, I remember thinking it was leaning, whatever it was, was leaning forward because the area on top of its head, uh, turned out to be more like the conish thing that you hear about. There's, there's, there was more space up there. Let's just put it that way. Uh, the nose was down. I could tell that like the nostrils were down. The arms were so long. And then when he bent his one arm, he left the other arm hang or she, I don't know what it was. I didn't see any, any, you know, organs like that at all. I wasn't looking for them, but, uh, it, I thought it was bent over it. It, uh, the arms were, were down so long that, you know, that's another thing that made me think it was bent over, but it was, it stepped backwards. I could tell it was full, fully erect. It was standing up and it wasn't bent over. This thing just didn't make sense to me. Uh, I, I kind of, the, the strange thing people ask me all the time there, you know, didn't you, weren't you freaking out? I had a, uh, well, should be saying this, don't, I'm not supposed to have them up there, but I had a weapon and a camera in, in my fender bag and neither one of them occurred to me to grab it. People asked that, why are you going to go to prison? You don't even think of that. I mean, you have to understand one second. I'm not a believer. I'm not a follower. I'm not anything with Sasquatch. And the next second I have no choice. I mean, it started coming into focus to me what I was looking at after everything else. You know, I'm an avid hunter. Uh, I used to be. I used to hunt a lot. And uh, since that year, I've, I didn't go deer hunting that year. I haven't hunted since. And it's not because I'm afraid of the woods or anything. I still go out Sasquatching. I'm out at night. I, I camp. I just don't know what it is. I just don't take a gun in the woods with me anymore. But, uh, yeah, so I, I'm familiar with bear. I've seen bear at this <laughs> You know, this it, it's obvious what you're looking at. Uh, it wasn't something running through the woods at a long distance. It wasn't something that crossed the car in front of me in the middle of the night at dark. I mean, why this thing showed itself to me, you know, now that I've started researching and learning about this and hearing how timid these things are and don't want to be seen, you know, why it showed itself to me, I'll never know the answer to that. It's just... You know, one of those things that I don't know if it's perfect timing, you know, people have some people have other answers, like maybe it was it was perfect timing and maybe there were young ones. You know, when people were telling me that, I'm like, young ones, <laughs> there's more than one. I didn't know anything about these, you know, like, what are you talking about? There's more than one. And uh, yeah, so, you know, I'll never know. I can only guess why this thing did what it did. But, you know, it didn't have to throw the rocks. It didn't have to show itself to me. I mean, maybe it thought it was busted when I started turning and I was looking pretty much in its direction when it stood up. Uh, but yeah, this thing, as far as the description of this, it was all black, black hair, very dark black. I, this wasn't light. I remember when I first saw it pop up <clears throat> instantly, I remember not seeing any other colors but black. 
even the face. The face was black, but I could tell that it wasn't the same, like the hair, the texture is the rest of its body. So I assumed that it was black skin, uh, you know, but it was the same color, the same tone of black. It wasn't any lighter. It wasn't, I never saw any whites in the eyes. I remember the eyes were very deep, dark black, very black. And that, that I'll never forget, but it wasn't like the mouth stayed shut. It never made a noise that I could hear. I never smelled anything like people say, none of that stuff. Uh, this thing kept its mouth. I remember its lips going all the way across its face. They were kind of pursed a little bit. And it, you know, as we stared at each other, it just was like, to me, at the, at the time, I gotta be honest at the, at the time that this was all happening, it was almost a calming encounter. I mean, it was a little panic involved as soon as it moved a lot of panic actually, but, uh, I had no fear, never thought that I needed a gun for it. Not for those few seconds. I didn't until it all started coming into focus, what this might be. And, you know, I, I gotta be honest, like werewolf and stuff, that stuff always scared me as a kid. This didn't look anything like that. And it, it didn't freak me out like that. This thing was actually, and I gotta say it, I, it was, it was actually a beautiful creature. I, you know, Sybil Irwin actually did an art piece for me or, or what, witness recreation for those that have seen it she pretty much nailed it i mean it didn't have the groomed hair like the picture shows but uh speaking of that when she was asking me about it uh about the hair how it was laying matted and and you know i brought up that it was raining that morning for a reason because this thing's hair wasn't even matted and dirty and i remember the way what i used with her was it had a groomed look to it so that's why the you know her recreation has the groomed look to the hair but it wasn't quite that like a combed look, but it wasn't matted, muddy, anything. It actually kind of had a little shine to it. You know, I first might thought it was probably the water or liquid from plants and trees that it was coming through, but, or the, or the rain. I mean, it had rain for a couple hours at this point, but I don't know. It just, uh, after the fact surprised me that, you know, this thing, I, I've seen deer in the rain and sometimes they get pretty dirty and muddy and nasty. And this thing had none of that. It's, <laughs> you know, and, and again, people ask about, you sure it wasn't a guy in a costume or something. And, you know, I saw the fingers move when it bent its arm. You know, I don't know how they, if they make arm extension. I don't know that stuff, but this thing was a full, you know, animal from head to toe to the end of its fingers. So, you know, it had to be a pretty abnormal person if it was somebody pulling a joke. And in this forest, there's not cabins there. This isn't a place where you would just pull off and wait for somebody. This wasn't a pullover where I, I pulled over. I just happened to pull over to wait for my buddy there. So, you know, who would be standing there waiting for you know, somebody to pull over and throw rocks. And why would they do that dressed in a costume when most people on ATVs are carrying weapons from my experience? Uh, you know, all those things I've thought, and it just, I can go back over a hundred million times. I don't know the answers to any of this stuff. And it just really, it, I, I jumped full force into the research after that. I just took me a couple of years to talk about it, but uh, yeah, once you, you know, when, when people, I, I'll never forget feeling that, uh, people are exactly correct when they describe these. You can tell almost the people that are have had a real close encounter, uh, just what they say and what they, you know. I remember hearing on TV, like the first couple people that I thought, I didn't know anything or, or, or who these people were, but as I started watching programs, I remember seeing Todd Neese and uh, Derek Randalls in there when they were talking about their encounters. I was like, these guys actually had encounters. I could tell the exact same words were coming out of their mouth. Uh, and I'll never forget it. It's like something words like, and I remember saying it too, is, you know, I can't take that back. Once you see that, you can't forget that you can never take that back. This is something that's not supposed to exist. You know, I've been in the Navy and been in some pretty crappy situations on, in a boat unit with, with the teams and there, you know, there, there's 
some scary situations involved, but you expect that. You expect that could happen. You don't expect there ain't no Sasquatch in the woods or something scary, whatever it was. Uh, it's not supposed to be on this earth. You know, it's just, it's a fear. I mean, once it started sinking in and I took off on that quad, it's a fear when it start, you start accepting it. It's like, I don't know the right word for it. It's just really deep. And it's, I don't even know if fear is the right word. It's, uh, it just, it shocks your system. And, and that's exactly what happened on my encounter. Uh, in the detail, I never saw the feet. This thing was standing in, uh, the grasses there were anywhere from a foot to two and a half foot tall or so, depending on what part it was standing in. The grasses came up to right below its knees, halfway up to its knees, I guess. So, uh, you know, I never got to see below that part of it. Uh, and again, it didn't lift its feet up very high that I could tell when it was stepping backward. I just wanted to get out of there when it started moving. So I wasn't really staring at much there, except for I know it didn't turn around. That was bizarre to me. This thing was staring me down. And it wasn't a mean stare. Uh, uh, it was like a, you know, I'll say it, I guess. It was like it knew that I wasn't harmed to it. I don't know how. I just felt that. It's like the, this thing knows I'm not going to hurt it. And I'm feeling like it's not going to hurt me. <laughs> and, you know, I if I would have lasted longer, if I'd have reached for my camera, maybe started realizing what was going on, I don't know what would have happened. And I'm glad I didn't. That's all I could say. People say that. Why didn't you grab, you know, I, I just froze. I we're standing there staring at something that's not supposed to exist and, and, uh, staring at each other. And, you know, it kind of looked at me the same way. Like, what are you doing here? And, uh, that's, that's the encounter pretty much. I mean, it, it changed my life. I can tell you that. I, like I say, I don't hunt anymore. This but spirituality, it just changed me spiritually. I, I don't even know why it just, uh, you know, I've gotten different about the woods, about nature, you know, I dove into the Bigfoot thing big time. I mean, I collect books and read them now. It's just, God, my house almost looks like a museum now with Bigfoot stuff. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but, uh, you know, it's, I call myself a Bigfoot nerd now and that's, you know, it wasn't because I saw the Patterson Gimlin film or and I did see that when I was a kid. I remember that, but it never really stuck with me. Uh, it wasn't because of that or any movie that got me into it. It was because of that encounter. And, you know, once you see one, you can't give it back. It's not something you can, you know, I hear people say they've shut themselves off. They don't talk about it and try to forget. I don't know how they can do that. I don't know if they actually do forget about these things until something stirs it back up because it's such a, <laughs> I, I, I just don't know how to describe it. It's, you know, the big thing now is this was in 2010. So we're talking seven years ago. It was in around June, I think. It was right when the trailhead opened up. Uh, and it's right after the first holiday there, Labor Day, Memorial Day. I get them backwards. but uh, So we're talking about the second week of June. And, you know, so that was, what, seven years ago, seven and a half years ago. And I just still can't figure out why the things, as much as you, you can learn in the books and learn from other people, there's no answer why these things, you know, I, I've had people that are so-called experts say they don't do that. You know, <laughs> well, they didn't send us one the memo. I'll tell you that because that's exactly what it did. Uh, I won't add nothing or take anything away from this encounter because it, it's real. I wrote it down. I remember when I, I was probably within a week after it happened because it was just something so unusual that, you know, I tried to write down the details of it. I still have that, by the way, it's part of my uh, encounter that's on the BFRO. Most of that is from, within weeks of what, when I saw that, and then I've added detail about the forest and stuff like that, but I won't add or take away from the detail when I saw it because that's the way it was. I, you know, 
It's just these, these things are amazing, and we have them here, and we have them in Pennsylvania of all places. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know how many. I, nobody does, but my God, it's just it's just strange not believing them in them, and then all of a sudden you don't have a choice the next second, and what that does to your body, Tony, and your mind is just you know it'll shake you up. It shook me up, and I've seen some things. You know, this this is one I will never forget. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, I I believe in Bigfoot because I choose to believe in Bigfoot. I have been interested in Bigfoot, and I my biggest thing for believing in Bigfoot is because of people like you sharing your stories. At some point, you got to say not everybody is lying or just completely stupid and misidentifying bears. And so for right. me, I had a choice. I chose to believe in Bigfoot. You, there is no choice involved when you see something like that. There is no question in your mind what you saw because it was daytime. You know exactly what you saw. So it's pretty right. fascinating. When you saw this thing shoot up, so when you were scanning the, the landscape and what you, before you even had a chance to think it was a, you know, a tree stump, you saw it shoot up. When you saw this thing shoot up, was it like, I know you, you, you've described it like it was very fast. Was it unnaturally fast or do you think this, what do you think Bigfoot is when it comes to those kind of things? Do you think it's something more just a natural creature or do you think they could have some kind of supernatural propensities? And would you describe the way it shot up that way? Well, actually, yeah, I wasn't staring right at it when it shot up. It's the weirdest thing. Like I, like I was saying, I have the peripheral vision when you're turning, you know, I saw something dark there. I probably... Would I have looked past it if it didn't move and thought it was a log? Maybe. I drove, had to drove, come right past it on the trail, so I must have thought that at the time. But uh, I never got right to it, like staring directly at it. It sprang up to me unnaturally fast, like there was no effort. You know, and I've described it before, like, uh, you know, like a, a target on a range, one of the pop-up targets that are like real fast, like, boink. I mean, it's it just like was there, you know. It, I knew it was there. Something was there, whether it was a log or a tree or not. It wasn't like it came out of nowhere and just appeared, but it, I don't know if it was crouched laying down and I never got to really look at it, but in whatever position it was in, it was up instantly. And as far as what I think they are, you know, there's such a big argument about that. God, I mean, personally, what I was looking at that day was an animal. It was a blood, a flesh and blood creature, in my opinion, that I was looking at. It didn't go poof. It didn't go, you know, through a portal and disappear. Uh, it went into the trees and disappeared pretty much. In in my research, you know, I'm learning a lot about hair. I've actually got some hair samples from Paul Freeman's, you know, son Michael sent me some of the hair samples that his dad had put through a lab and in the microscopic pictures and stuff. And it's fascinating because some of them look clear, through, like you can almost see through them. Some have a green, you know, I think that's part of their camo. So to me, what they are, and it's only my guess, I mean, it's just my opinion only, is I believe they're a creature, but I believe they have abilities beyond what humans do or maybe that we some abilities that we used to have that we don't have any longer we've gotten so domesticated uh you know i think the camouflage or ability i've heard the word cloaking before you know whether that's real or not and i'm not going to doubt anybody i won't doubt anybody's story that that has one because i would have never believed my story until it happened to me uh so you know if it cloaked yeah okay then that's what it did but to me it's the hair that maybe the shininess of it, the reflection, whatever, and just a little turn can maybe change that reflection of the light, uh, you know, kind of blends in with where it's at. You know, it's kind of weird to me if, if some of the hair is see-through and there's no center, you know, I, it's just weird when you look at the hairs under 
under a microscope. It really makes you think, okay, it has hair. Uh, people say they've shot these things. I mean, we never have the body, but, you know, so to me, they're animal. I don't know. I just, but I can't tell somebody that thinks otherwise and has visual evidence otherwise. I mean, I've seen some other weird things in the woods since then and research and I can't explain, especially at night with the lights, the laser eyes. I've seen that. Uh, I don't know what that is. I don't know. I don't have a clue how to begin. I'm not a scientist and, you know, I just know it's there and I know that they're very real. Uh, the guy that I researched, started researching with, who got a hold of me, Doug Retzer, he lives up 20 miles, probably west of, about 20 miles west of where I had my encounter. He contacted me when I first started talking about it online and he heard of my encounter and said, I need somebody else to help me research one of my areas. He's been chased out of there by one and he said multiple encounters in there. He would never go back in that area alone again. And, uh, so I instantly, oh, yeah, I'll come up. I want to learn about these things. I actually wanted to, to go with the, the area where I had my encounter, but you have to have the, you know, the ATV needs to be registered and insured. And so to go in with somebody that's an ATV enthusiast and a Sasquatch, it's hard to find that. And uh, I didn't want to go in and scare something out of there not knowing anything. So I wanted to take the time to research. And, and this just happened perfectly. Ben contacted me and said, come up in my area and research. And it's about every other week we were going up there and, uh, Seeing some pretty bizarre things. I mean, you know, like people ask, where did those tracks go? You know, they're following a track line and they disappear. You know, I, to me, I have to look at it. <laughs> you know, doesn't mean they just disappeared. It, you know, what about stepping backwards in their tracks and jumping off trail? What about hitting rocks, jumping? I mean, there's, there could be other explanations. I don't know if people have, have looked at that. You know, I, I kind of believe some of the, the people that say they hide their, they, they're, some reason might hide their tracks. They know that they leave them, maybe not from humans, from game, other game, you know, they're, they're, they're probably hunters. Uh, so they, you know, they camouflage well and they know how to, to stalk and sit still and, and all that stuff. So I think they're animals, but I think they have a lot of abilities, learned abilities. And then, then you get the side of it that the DNA study, which I do support the genome project. I know that's a controversial subject, but, being at the uh, borough conference when they presented the, uh, the DNA evidence, Dave Politis and Scott Carpenter, and oh my God, it was pretty intense what they come up with. And, you know, I understand why people were against her study because she did one on her own in her lab and blah, blah, blah. But this one was over 12 independent labs and, you know, they it was a blind test. She didn't tell them what they were looking for. They were to tell her. And they all came back with the same thing. And when you hear those results, it's like, yeah, there's there's a little bit more to it. So, you know, it kind of answers some of those questions. Why would the government be hiding this and that? Well, if it's tied to that DNA results, then because part of the DNA results were that it had to have been altered. And we didn't alter DNA hundreds of thousands of years ago when the Indians started talking about these things. So what did? So you start taking that line of thought. You know, then maybe that's a reason why the government doesn't want us to know. Uh, they don't even want us to go in that direction. So I don't know. You know, I kind of leave my mind open, to be honest. I think once you close your mind, you're going to miss evidence. You're going to miss something. And I don't want to think these things are the boogeyman or this one wasn't. Uh, or it could have been. It just wasn't that day. And I don't want to think that they're playing a portal. But then you got Dr. Johnson and, you know, who, who knows what 
what's happening there, but he has a whole thing going on there with portals and, and he has witnesses that go in there with him and they're seeing things. So I, I don't know. I, you know, are we talking about different things other than Sasquatch? Who knows? I just can only talk about what I saw and what I saw looked like a flesh and blood creature. It looked like if I would have had a high powered rifle and, and could have penetrated it, you'd have to have a pretty heavy duty weapon to penetrate what I saw though. But if you could have, I think it would have bled. Uh, that's just my opinion. But you know, it, I never know why it didn't, why it showed itself and didn't come after me or, you know, that just tells me they're not totally aggressive or maybe it wasn't its home area. Maybe it was, you know, out for a stroll. Who knows? <laughs> we just ran into each other. So I wasn't a big threat. I don't know. But yeah, I, back to that question, Tony, I, I do think that they're an animal. Uh, again, I keep my mind open. There's just, there's evidence that points in some other directions, but it's only hearsay evidence. It's not physical yet. So, right. And, uh, you know, while I got you on here and stuff, we should uh, talk about some other things because I know you've had some other experiences and stories you'd like to share that happened out in the woods. So let's get into those when we come back after the break. We'll be right back, everybody. back and Dave uh, I know you mentioned about Doug earlier and how you guys researched together and things like that uh, I, I want you to go into some of the things that you uncovered doing that because if, in particular the photo that we have on the group page uh, I, I talked about it on the, at the conference when I was up there speaking you know, most people that know me from the Bigfoot world, they do know that I'm very much fascinated with the Pennsylvania white Bigfoot. And we have oh, that yeah. great video of the white Bigfoot in Carbondale. And then my guy who I go out with a lot uh, when I can, uh, Don Kurtz, he has seen a white Bigfoot in uh, Charlottesville, Pennsylvania. And that's Charlottesville, Pennsylvania, southeastern PA. The Carbondale Bigfoot, White Bigfoot, is in uh, Northeast PA. And then you have a picture of something that looks like a White Bigfoot, and that was in Western PA. Would you go into that right. a little bit? Northwestern. Again, it was up in the area that I was researching with Doug. And, and I'll go into a little bit of that to, to get up to that story. It's that's about a, It was about 100 miles away from where I live, so I was only making it up there every other weekend. I did a couple weekends in a row. I couldn't go up there on the weeknight, you know, because of work and stuff, so it wasn't like one of those places I could hit every day. But Doug and I would plan. We'd go in. Uh, what we would do is I like to make a story out of the evidence, like try to get on footprints, look at different things, and, and not just be random, you know. Like you could see things happening in the forest. Uh, the idea in this area that Doug had told me was, when you when we first set the area up, when you get out of your vehicle, you actually cross. It's it's a highway. It's a two lane highway, but it's a highway. But it's out in the middle of nowhere. This isn't like near people, too close to people. And you go down into this little hollow valley, like it's a it's a valley, but steep. They're not mountains like out west or something type of mountains, but they're very steep on both sides. Maybe a hundred yards, two hundred yards, 
wide in the valley, and there's little trout streams that run through this place. And uh, we walk up through there and then walk up to the left side, come up around the left side up on the hill. But Doug's always told me he thought there were uh, watchers or nests or something up on the right side as you walk in. And, you know, that's where he was chased out of on that side. And, and we've heard some weird noises up on that side. So I started believing in what he was saying. And uh, one day what we were finding was some pretty odd stuff. And, you know, back to, back to setting the story up, Doug, found this area interesting. He used to trout fish in it. And then he noticed him and his buddy years ago, back a few years, whatever, there was these pattern of holes in the ground, like small holes, like stick holes. And he was trying to figure it out. And here it just appeared to him like he started looking at the trees and he started noticing this thing was getting, it's a pine forest, mostly pine in the very front of it, but it started getting thicker and thicker over the years, ground clutter. And these trees weren't pine trees. Like they were like being brought in or something. And it occurred to him that some of these trees were being coming down over the hill when he followed them. Maybe they were being carried and then sat down. And and where all the branches were, were sticking into the ground. It was kind of weird. But when he said that, I thought it was weird. But it started making sense. And I started looking at some of these trees in there. We actually found some bizarre stuff. A giant maple branch, like a branch of a maple tree with green leaves on it. And, you know, different branches, like one of the branches where it sprouts off in all directions. And it was pretty, pretty big, actually. Uh, we found it in the, the same area as we heard a tree fall over. We were actually putting some food up, which we don't, didn't usually do. We were trying at one time. And actually, I'll, I can get to that story too later, but uh, we heard a tree go over. So we decided to go that direction. Trees fall in the woods. You know, we're not thinking anything, trying not to think anything. Uh, we walked that direction and on the way to it, we, we crossed the trail. It's not really a trail, but it's the path that we come in and out of. We try to stay consistent. And here's this darn maple tree branch laying there. And there's no maple trees in this forest. And this thing's live. And and we're one, you know, he made a comment like, I wonder if something was trying to camouflage itself with that. And it just got tired of us, threw it down and walked away and pushed the tree over. And you start thinking that, like, I have no idea if that's the scenario, but it could have very well been. We found the tree that was pushed over. And yeah, it was rotted a little bit. It probably fell over on its own. Who knows? But it just was bizarre to find that stuff. So we started seeing that stuff in here. So what happened was one day we went in uh, to get back to this picture that was taken. We went in and we found a couple of tracks. And these tracks were probably 16 inches long. Uh, they were in an area where somebody would have just stepped in. We found them. It was very hard to see the one. Doug actually found the one. And then I found one. And then he had found a couple others with another friend uh, that started heading in direction like down towards the creek so that's the way these ones were so we st we started going in that direction and down towards the little it's not a very wide creek it's one of these little mountain creek streams uh was towards the right side of the hollow where the steep hill is it's a rock hill that you can't climb you might be able to come up from behind but you know i'm not taking out the roping is beyond my days uh, i'm not going to do that but i would like to get up there somehow now but uh as we were walking over there following the creek stream you could see where it looked like one of these tracks where he jumped across to get the other side of the, the creek. And we're only talking 10 foot. This isn't like a wide creek. It's a little trout stream. And, and it's on an angle downwards, and it looked like something slid. And you could see the toes dug in, like to stop it. And there was five toes. You could feel them. It was very obvious. It was just like a long slide. Uh, and that's what it looked like to me. And Doug pointed out the smack marks we were seeing on these trees. But every fifth tree or so, third, fourth, fifth tree, whatever, along this creek stream that we were following the direction of those prints, there were the marks in these trees about six foot high. 
that looked like somebody shoved a rock into. And I say that because it doesn't look like somebody was banging with a stick or wood because we weren't finding splinters in there. It just looked like somebody had hit them very hard with something hard. And, uh, you know, there were different sides of the tree, mostly on one side. But so we don't know if something was, you know, that's, we started putting that together thinking maybe something was walking down this way, maybe hunting, maybe they were calling, who knows. But in my mind, I was thinking that. And as we were doing that, I was taking pictures of some stuff that looked interesting. There were some saplings along the creek that were bowed, like the normal bow that people see. But they were bowed the opposite direction that the, the water was running. So I'm thinking if the water came up, they would force them to bend. They would have bent the other direction. Uh, and they were up high on the bank. And so I was taking pictures of those. We heard some, I thought they were deer at the time, up on that hill. And that was where Doug said, that's where he hears weird noises and bird, like these weird bird calls coming from. And uh, we didn't see anything, though. And I was just thinking bear, maybe deer, or deer, maybe a bear or something. We didn't see anything with our eyes. We kept walking on. And then, you know, I never look at pictures, Tony. I'm not one of these guys to pull faces out of pictures. But it was the weirdest thing, and it was perfect timing. Doug calls me, oh, it was six months to a year later. said, Dave, I took another buddy in here. We're standing almost that exact same spot, or he was. And uh, this guy wasn't the big Sasquatch fanatic like I was. He just went in there with Doug because he wouldn't go in there by himself. And they separated. The guy went up maybe 50 yards further from Doug, and he come running back to Doug and said, we got to get out of here. And Doug said, why? He said, this guy was freaking out. He said, if they wanted us, there's nothing we could do. And Doug's like, what are you talking about? He said, something huge and big and white ran up over this hill. And he said, it was on two legs. He said, and I know this thing was huge. And he, the way Doug was explaining, this guy was freaked out. So Doug said he was laughing at him, and he took him out of the woods. He knew he was wise in there. He told Doug look for Sasquatch sign and maybe get lucky. And here he got lucky and panicked. And uh, so Doug thought that was cute. But anyhow, he told me about that. And I remember taking those pictures along that creek and uh, those bow trees. And, and I, for the life of me, still don't know why I looked at these pictures again, because I never do this. But I actually took the pictures while they were on the computer with a magnifying glass, and I just started looking at them. And I noticed this anomaly that was up on almost on top of the hill. You can't tell from the picture. Like, if I would describe it, you wouldn't know what the background is. It's it, They're not all trees from the ground level up. Uh, just on the other, like the creek, so you can see the creek stream on this picture, and it turns sharply to the left. Right on the other side of that stream, there's, it starts with this rock wall, this cliff going up, and trees are growing out of it. And it's really thick. Uh and there's this anomaly, and it's white. And I'm like, oh, God. So I started zooming in until the picture started pixelating. But this thing was getting clear. It wasn't pixelating like with the trees, with the you know the, the branches. And I would only go so far with it. But what I was seeing was a – well, you saw the picture. It, it really looks like a face and shoulders. And, I mean, it looks just like that Pennsylvania white Bigfoot's uh, – it's from Carbondale. And uh, I sent the picture. I got online and asked somebody, you know, I didn't want to show the picture or, or claim that it was a Sasquatch or anything. And I think it was Big Tony from uh, the UK plays around with, video, you know, the pictures and, all, and video and stuff. And he said, let me take a look at it. And he analyzed it, sent it the thing back, broken up in different pictures where he could zoom in. And it looks like the thing's holding on. You can see the shoulder and like an arm. And he outlined it where it's leaning over forward with its arm around the front of the tree holding on that way to maybe look get a better look or maybe because it was on that hillside and it was so steep it was just holding on uh and then he zoomed into the eyes just to, to show that those big black areas that were eyes weren't sunglasses 
you could actually see like an eye, you know, whether the software pixelated it, I don't know, but I thought he did a really good job. So anyhow, it's just kind of weird that this guy saw a white thing. I, when, when Doug told me that story and I went and looked at that picture, there it was. I mean, there's this thing, you know, sure looked like a white Sasquatch to me and you saw it. And since then I put it out right online and have asked people's opinion of it. I'll never know, but, uh, I actually sent it to MK Davis, and he never got back to me. We talked about it, but he's more into the video than pictures. So, you know, you can't do much with one picture uh, like you can with a video. So he didn't want to go on record with anything. But, uh, yeah, that's that picture was, you know, and I still think there's something up on that hill. I, I've i looked at Google Earth and saw there's an access behind it, maybe a mile up. But I'd like to get a couple people, you know, it, that'd be something to point we plan. Uh, the more I'm getting to know other people and Doug's okay with this, I've already asked him because I didn't want to just be bringing people in or volunteering people in his area. You know, set a couple people down where that picture was taken from just to hang out down there, a couple people further up where the guy saw the thing run up over the hill because at that point where he was at, the whole sort of kind of angles where you can walk up to a certain area of it and then it goes straight up. But it's it's kind of a the bottom part of that hill over there. And then two or three people come in from behind and to be up on top and just, you know, I think we'd have everything covered at that point and somebody should see something or I'd be curious to see what's up on top. But, uh, until I do that, I've always wanted somebody to go up there and try to set themselves there where, where that picture was and see what they would look like. Uh, but it's, it's not as easy said as done when you, when you know this hillside and how steep and rocky and just ugly it is. It's not, when, and being so far away, like I said, it's not like I can get up there every day. We just haven't done that. Something always comes up. But, uh, you know, the strange thing about that is the last time I was in the woods with Doug, I, you know, well, you know what happened to me this last year. I lost my fiance, moved, and we just haven't had time to get together for personal reasons and, uh, and, and Doug's health reasons at the time. And so we finally got together. It was in the spring, and it, we just did it once. And we were walking towards that area where I took that picture, and we were talking about it. And there's a spot 50 feet maybe from it that you can see that trees on top of that hill. And one tree was just swinging back and forth. So Doug and I ran over and started taking pictures. Now, I can't see anything up there through them thick trees in the spring. And, you know, we couldn't tell what it was. But the bizarre thing at the end of the day was on our way. Well, it wasn't even at the end of the day. It was probably two hours later. We were still on our way into the woods, uh, just taking our time. And we were down at the spot where the guy saw that white one, where the hillside comes down, and a black bear. You know, we're, I, I stopped to take off my backpack to grab a sandwich or an apple or something out of water. I can't remember, but uh, out of the corner of my eye, right in front of me, it was straight across from me, I saw something dark stand up on two legs. I'm like, here we go, here we go. My heart started beating. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, here we go, here we go. And when I looked up, the thing dropped back down to fours, and it was a black bear, and it, it actually had two cubs with it, which we didn't know it at this moment. But it was headed towards that direction. But it never did go up on top of that hill. It crossed the trail where we come in. We looked down and, and watched it cross. So, you know, was that tree bouncing around up there because of a black? Well, it was, it was com not coming from that direction. It was headed towards it when we saw the bear. So I don't know. It's just funny that one tree up there was shaking. I really wish we could have got up there to see what was up there. But I really am buying into what Doug was telling me that, you know, he believes in the watchers thing where they have watchers in these woods and they know you're in there by the time you get there, if they're in that area that day. And and I'll be honest, you can feel it, the hair in the back of your neck and in your gut tells you there's something going on here. 
and maybe three times that I've been up there, I felt nothing. So, you know, I, I certainly don't think it's a place the Sasquatch are living, but I think it's a place they're traveling through and they're probably not as aggressive there because they're just traveling through it. Uh, and while they are maybe fishing or whatever they're doing, they probably have a watcher. I mean, I believe that we can't get in there without hearing noises and whistles and different things. And then from what we've seen on that hill now, it's just, uh, more and more is pointing that way to me. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you guys with the whole watcher thing. I think somebody, I heard somebody talk about that before and they called it a sentinel. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word or not. I might have just butchered that. But anyways, I definitely <laughs> agree with that because it only makes sense if these things are as secluded as they are, uh, they would have somebody or something or one of them on the lookout for, you know, possible intruders and things like that. I mean, you and I are both of the same mindset that these things, because they've been so secluded and they haven't been officially documented, they are incredibly smart. They have to be. They have oh, yeah. to be incredibly smart in order to remain so undiscovered to this point. And if you're that smart, then to me, it only makes sense that you would have uh, lookouts. So definitely, absolutely. Yeah, I totally believe that. I mean, I think you're already being watched whenever you walk into an area where they happen to be. You're already being watched. So why sneak around in camo and, and all that stuff? That looks suspicious to them, I think. Uh, be yourself. I mean, more more of these sightings happen when they're doing something that you're just doing, like me riding my ATV. I wasn't out looking for anything. And, you know, a lot of people's encounters seem to come that way when they're out camera gear and guns and, you know, in camo, they usually don't see much. So... I don't know. That's that's sort of what I lead to. And Doug and I, when we do go in, try to just go in ourselves. You know, just be ourselves, talk. Not loud, because we don't want to kick deer out of there. But just be ourselves. Try to be happy and, and try to try to make it, ha- you know, give us more of a chance for an encounter. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think these things are curious, too. They'll, they'll give you that shot, maybe, you know, while they're trying to look at you. But who knows? It's it's fascinating to me. You know, I can't believe I'm even talking like this because before my encounter, I would have never, you know, in the things you learn, you know, like I got to say this, Tony, it's when you know, I hear these arguments online and, and elsewhere, even at conferences, they're not arguments, just conversations. But uh, you could tell, like, even believers that haven't seen one are skeptics to me there. I don't think they're fully believing that the creature exists be- just because of the questions they ask. Like, if somebody takes a, a picture of what they thought was one or, you know, to them, they saw one. But by the time they got their camera out, what their video shows, their camera isn't much of nothing. But and people would question it and they're like, oh, that's nothing, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, they question it like they don't believe that you have to prove it to them. And I understand that. But once you've seen one, you know they exist. It's a different way of thinking to me. It's like, I know they exist. They have to leave evidence, you know, and I don't believe everything that everybody tells me. I can't, you can't, but I I don't throw a lot of things away either. You know, it's kind of like, you know, there's a reason why people think they're seeing, well, you know, some might watch too much TV or whatever. or want to be too hopeful to see it, but you know where I'm going with that. It just, I don't know. It's a different way of thinking about it after you've seen what you've seen and, and pretty much know they exist the evidence has to be there. They're out there. Uh, then they have to be super intelligent because we haven't, you know, found them yet. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, I'll tell you what, Dave, 
when you do decide to get out there to research that hill and maybe even get somebody up there, I would love to be part of that crew. I will drive out. And you will be, yeah. I, I don't care when it is, what time of year it is, I'm there. Because when I saw that picture, all I wanted to do was climb that hill. And I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you saw my most recent video I put out just uh, I think a week or two ago. I actually on my way up to Chautauqua Lake Bigfoot Conference, me and my brother Jack stopped off uh, in the Allegheny National Forest because I was given coordinates to a cave that had a supposedly fossilized footprint that was 19 inches long, and I was like, right. "Holy yeah, crap!" So yeah, I wanted to get out there and I climbed that hill and that hill was a beast, man. I'll tell you that that hill kicked my butt. But uh yeah, I, yeah. I absolutely would love to be out there with you guys. Oh yeah, I've already kind of thinking who I'd like to put together for this, you know, and you know them all pretty much uh a couple friends from Ohio and and uh yourself of course and you know, maybe I don't know, five to six, seven people to cover the whole area and all good hearted, good intentioned people that aren't out to kill us anything and uh you know, hopefully, if nothing else, we get to at least see what the heck's up on top of that hill. Yeah, that, that's my. I really want to know. I, I just. It's funny because I did an interview with Ed Brown, and that's all he would say every time I say, "I want to know what's on that hill." It's like, yeah, I, I do too. Now I just, you know, but my roping days are over, and I'm not going to go up it. I'm thinking of coming in behind it. It's probably the best way to do it. Uh, you know, take a little bit of a walk, but still, that's not a bad. I walk all day if I have to. You know, the, the thing about this area too is, and we, I haven't been down this far, but I don't know, it's a mile away or something. Uh, Doug says there's all these caves, rock caves and stuff. Uh, I don't want to say what the name of the place is because it'll kind of give it away, but it, it has a name. But uh, I have not made it to the caves. My thought, and it's just my thought, you know, is I believe in the home area uh, part of research, and I think I've heard it from Steve Calls, who was the one that. You know, in their home area, just like humans, uh, we go to certain places, like we go to the post office, we go to the store. Those are, you know, public areas. We have our private areas like our home and nursing and stuff, and that's where we're more aggressive, just probably like them. And I, my thought would be that would be, you know, make their home area, their, their personal area is probably deeper in, you know, where people usually don't go or in these caves or in these rocks. And whether I'd want to go there or not, because that's where the danger would probably happen. But if, if you run into them and you're not endangering their young ones, in their public areas, they feel less threatened. You know what I mean? That I honestly believe that. So I think where we're seeing them is more of a public area and further in, maybe where those caves are. I don't know. That might be where if you run into that place, you might hit the jackpot, but you know, do you come out alive? Who knows? I'll volunteer to go in first. Yeah. Does that sound? <laughs> I'm known for my we'll uh, lack- GPS. And when a GPS stops, we'll know what happened. Yeah. I'm known for disregarding my own life half the time when I'm out there. <laughs> you can ask Don Kurtz right. about that. Oh man, now, what do you have, do? You believe in like do you stop if your gut tells you to stop and not go any further? Uh, yeah, I mean, if my gut tells me to, but the problem is, yeah. a lot of times I don't really pay attention to that gut feeling uh, half well. the time. A lot of times I get really excited and I just am like, okay, I'm here to see this thing, so I'm gonna right. go see it now, and if it's gonna take my head off while well, I lived a good life and you know okay see you guys later you know <laughs> um, yeah but, I kind of follow my gut and if it tells me to back out I'll back out but and maybe not for Sasquatch reasons but bear or whatever but uh yeah I don't know maybe being too cautious but no I don't think that I don't think that you can be too cautious out there I just I, I 
Don experienced it firsthand. There was this one time we were on the side of the Appalachian Mountain, and I'm looking through the binoculars, and because he saw a white Bigfoot on that very mountain, I was I had white Bigfoot on the brain, and uh, I'm looking through the binoculars, and I see something what looked really big and white move from left to right. And I was like, holy crap, it's here. You know, I, I, I was like pumped. And my, my first reaction is I didn't even take the binoculars off my face. I just started walking forward, trying to follow it. And I'm stumbling over right. things. And I look back and Don's still standing there. He's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I look back and I look at it closer and stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, you know what? It was just, it was like some kind of like weird bushes that looked white up close and they're moving from the wind or something. But in the binoculars, it looked really big and it was moving fast. And I was like, oh my God, it's here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get the white big foot on the brain. Yeah, man. So let's just take a break right now. And when we come back, we'll get back into our conversation about white Bigfoot and a bunch of other stuff. All right. We'll be right back after this. back from the break and dave why don't you just pick up where you left off there in the conversation we were having during the break where you were talking about other people making note of the white bigfoot in other areas of pa you know the, the, the strange thing after i talked about the white bigfoot some guy had mentioned i don't even know who i can't remember who it was said there's supposedly been a white bigfoot in that part down towards butler county which is a county below that uh that people have been researching or taking note of. I can't remember the right words she used, but I thought that was kind of weird. This would probably be some more, more northern territory then. And then, you know, a person that does a lot of research in our area, Brian, that keeps a lot of data and everything, he's got a lot of information on White Bigfoot. And I, I would like to follow up. He said I'm welcome to his data if I want. I started following up on that one because uh, that's interesting. I mean, you know, I truly believe that Carbondale White Bigfoot was real. That just the way it moved. I, I've seen movement. I've seen that one that stood up. It's just, they're just in, unnatural the way they move, and the way that thing turned like so quick and weird uh, in that video. Just to me was was pretty telling. But yeah, so you know, what do you think they are? What do you think the white is? Old? Just just a different color? Yeah. Well, here's really the thing. Know. I I when I first heard about the white Bigfoot, when I first entered the Bigfoot community, I heard about that, and I didn't see the video, and I was thinking. There's no way a white Bigfoot could be running around out there without being detected by tons of people. And then I saw the video and I was like, that looks really real. And the more I started looking into it and the more I started, you know, trying to understand Bigfoot in general and things like that, I came to two conclusions. Uh, one, it has to, it's either an old Bigfoot because just like, you know, men, they, when they go gray or white haired, maybe it's just an old Bigfoot. I don't know. But, also, maybe it is an albino Bigfoot, you know, because if they are, and I think I was talking to, I think I was talking to Jamie King about this. I believe it was Jamie King. And he brought that up to me about the white albino Bigfoot. And I, he, I think he said that albinoism is very prevalent in incest. So basically, he, he's, okay. he's basically saying that uh, albinoism is prevalent when there's incest involved. And so he suggested that maybe okay. that 
because these things, you know, live in clans and maybe clans are spread out further than, you know, we would think there was some kind of incest going on, you know, maybe not all the time, but at times there's incest going on and therefore albinism is an issue. And I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, because I, I never really thought about that. And, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, that, that's the thing with this whole topic where we all sit around and we theorize about what is what, and nobody really has an answer. So everybody's answers that they do give are all valid until, you know, somebody proves otherwise. Oh, exactly. Yep, exactly. I, I think, like I said earlier, if you start not listening to certain evidence, then you're, you're just missing it because nobody has one of these, you know, in their backyard following it, living with it. Some people claim, yeah, they have plans that they follow. I mean, you know, but how, if they do, how close do they get to it? Well, I don't know. It, it's still, that'd be awesome. But, you know, who knows? I think uh, everything's valid that, that people, that you get a sense of telling the truth. You know, what they say is, is valid to me. I mean, I would never believe this, this would have, was able to happen. And like I said, until it happened to me. And it's like, I can't, you know, 50 some years old, and uh, it took that long to finally open my mind and say, these people have been telling the truth for a long time. You know what I mean? And, and missed all that over the years. If I'd have started researching this when I was younger, who knows what I'd have thought when I was healthier, younger. You know, not that I'm totally not healthy, but, you know, when I had more of a daredevil, more of a ability to just climb rocks and stuff and get into them weird areas where you probably only need to go to get into their, their home areas. Uh you know, who knows? Probably would have stayed out of trouble too. <laughs> so I ended up getting myself into along the way, but you know, but now I just can't stop. God, you know me. I just I'm a book collector now and a print collector, and I just cannot stop. I just want to know. I want to, you know, what? I wish there was an answer somewhere why this thing did. Because here we are talking about how camouflage and you can't see them. They don't want to show them. This thing stood right up. The one I saw, and uh, you know, first it through the rocks. What for? I mean, were the young ones? Was it trying to draw its attention to it, to it? I don't know, but it didn't have to do that. I wasn't going to stay there long, waiting for my buddy Paul. I think, and actually getting back to that story, when it backed up, I think the reason it was backing up, and, and uh, I thought of this after the fact, was he probably was coming and it hurt him because I took off. And when I took off, I might have got, I don't know, a mile, half a mile, a mile up further on a trail. And there's this mud hole up there that people tend to pull over and in a play in and I stopped there where there were people, but I turned around and was facing back towards the woods and Paul wasn't that far behind me. I mean, he ended up finding me there. And so, uh, it, it probably was, it probably heard him coming and, you know, and I'm thank God that it did because it, I keep going over through this in my head. What would it have done? What would I have done if this encounter would have lasted longer and it started sinking into me what I was looking at and the panic set in, or maybe, whatever set in, I was reaching to get the camera or reaching in my, you know, what would this thing have done? I mean, you know, would it have reacted to defend itself? Who knows? I just, I'm just glad it turned out the way it did. It was kind of one of them. I want to say peaceful, even though it threw rocks, you know, but it wasn't throwing them at me. I got to say, I don't think it was because they were so accurately thrown at the same front, right front of my ATV that if it wanted to hit me, I think it would have hit me easily. So I think it was just trying to, again, draw its attention or, or something, draw my attention. Well, hearing you talk about all this stuff, I mean, it's 2017 and it sounds like it's probably pretty hard for you to believe that not even 10 years ago, you didn't even believe in Bigfoot. Oh yeah. I have to think about that. You know, uh, that wasn't that long ago. 
and I didn't. I don't. I don't know if I believed. I just never talked about it. It wasn't a conversation piece. And when somebody else did, I wouldn't stay as part of the conversation. I wasn't into the movies. I wasn't into. You know, as a matter of fact, I don't even know when Finding Bigfoot started, but my encounter happened in 2010, and I'm thinking it was maybe two years later. It was about two years later. When I started really talking about it and mentioning it, I started texting all my friends because I was watching TV, and advertise, I must have been on the same the Animal Planet or whatever channel that Finding Bigfoot's on, and they were advertising an episode of them being in Pennsylvania in the Allegheny National Forest. And I, st- I was like, my God, they really, I'm not crazy, you know, because <laughs> I know what I saw, but here's a team of Bigfoot hunters. I didn't know anything about the show or nothing. And uh, so I started texting everybody, you've got to watch this episode. It's a bunch of people coming into the woods to look for Big, and they're going to be in the Allegheny National Forest, and something happened to me up there. And I got to tell you, yeah, that's when I started opening up a little bit and then finally attended my first conference. But it was because of the, you know, finding Bigfoot of all shows. Uh, but yeah, they were less than... I don't know, 10 or 20 miles from where my encounter was. They went to the Kinzua Bridge, the bridge that blew over in a bad windstorm. And it's an old train uh, trestle. I don't know, 300 feet off the ground. It's a beautiful area. And they were up there researching. And uh, I found that fascinating. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Well, you know what? Before we get out of here, I do want to end on a little bit of a different story. And I'm kind of putting on the spot, but I'm doing it because... I talked to one of the other guys that were there with us and he says that he doesn't ever remember seeing it. So I want to know if I'm crazy or not. Uh, And I'll I'll say the story and I'll let you kind of carry it if you want later. But um, we were at the Ohio Bigfoot conference and it was probably about midnight and you, me, Brian and Scott went out on a hike in Salt Salt Fork State Park. And uh, when we were out there, we were hiking down a path. It was very narrow it must have been a game trail or something. And we we're on the side of a hill. So on our right side, there was a very steep hill. And on the on our left side is a very steep hill dropping off down to a creek. And mm-hmm. we're walking this path. And I remember I look up to the right and I see a light that's inside the canopy of the woods. Like we could you could clearly see it was inside the canopy and it was pulsating. It was glowing, right. it was getting brighter and then getting more dim, getting brighter and getting more dim. And I, I stopped everybody and we all looked up there and I thought everybody saw it. But Brian said that he didn't see it. And I'm, I'm wondering, did you see it? Yeah, I did see part of that. But I've seen that before in the woods. So I wasn't quite as startled or, or negative or whatever about it. I've, I've That's one of the weird things we didn't get into. But some of the weird things I was saying, I've seen up at the Allegheny National Forest, up in uh, Doug's area. Even in the Allegheny National Forest, I've gone uh, camping with some guys, and we've done some some uh, research and some of the weird stuff, the, the pulsating lights. Uh, well, I was at Allegheny National Forest camping one time, and and we went up on the side of a hill in the middle of the night, three of us to sit up there, and one guy plays a flute, so he was doing his thing, and we had this light. It was like a cloud. It was totally dark. You couldn't see anything. Didn't have night vision. We're just sitting up there, but you could see this light coming through the woods. It was like a cloud of light, like a I don't know, four foot cloud, and it went right past us. I'm like, what the hell was that? It was light, but it felt like electric. It, I remember when it went past us. I don't know if that was natural or unnatural. I have no idea, but it's just bizarre stuff out there. But I do remember seeing it. I didn't see the full thing that you did, but I saw the light. Yeah, and that, but Brian don't remember seeing that. I thought he saw that. I yeah, I, I did too, but I, I don't think he saw it because I remember talking to him about it, and he's like, "No, I never saw it." 
I know I'm pretty sure Scott saw it. And the thing is, when I was watching it, it was pulsating, getting brighter, then dimming down, getting brighter, getting dimming down. We we watched it probably for a good minute or two, and then it just pulsated out. It just died off and it was gone. And it wasn't like it was moving around like somebody was shining a spotlight or a plane was flying through the sky. It was staying still. It wasn't moving anywhere. And I just, right. I, it was the most strangest thing I ever saw in the woods up to that point. And I was like, this is incredible because I had heard about these orbs and stuff that people see in the woods, these balls of light. And, you know, I never imagined I would actually see something like that. And here it is. And I'm like, what the heck? You know, uh, it makes you wonder. Yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned about some of the strange things you've encountered in the woods. Uh, why don't you tell the people about when you first entered into that one area with Scott and what happened to you? Oh, the, the, the uh, yeah, it was, uh, God, who was I with? I'm trying to remember now. I thought it was with Scott and maybe Ken. Was it Ken with you? It was Ken. Yeah. Scott's been up there, but I, I never went up there with him. Uh, yeah, this was after Doug hooked me up and she took me to his area. We were online and we were on this other group. I'm not on anymore, but uh, somebody started posting pictures that looked, I don't know how I knew it, but it looked like our area or close to it. I don't know if it was the fauna, the way, you know, all woods look kind of the same, but this just looked like ours. So I hit the guy up and I said, uh, where did you take those pictures? Where are you from? And he said, it's the same town that Doug's from. This guy ended up living less than two blocks away from him and they never knew each other. And at the time, he was just less than a year into Sasquatch and phenomenon in the woods because... He went out camping. He's big into the, just living in a tent, pretty much. Uh, and he had a house. He just him and his family would stay in a tent, go home in the morning, take a shower, go to work, come back, and that's what they did. And he was saying some pretty bizarre stories online. And I'm like, I got to witness this. As much as I know, Sasquatch exists. What he's talking about, like the laser eyes, and you know, the the cloaking, and he sees they they come into his campsite, and I'm like, okay. Uh, I kind of went up there with not a skeptic mind because I know they exist, but thought that he was telling big stories and we got out of the car walked into the woods and this is a flat walk this wasn't climbing hills or anything i had my sleeping bag his tent and all, everything was already put up because it, it's been out there so i took my tent a sleeping bag and a, a bedroll had all that all packed up and i'm telling you we were less than 30 steps maybe into the woods and it felt like the only way I could describe it was like a constrictor, you know, it was holding every breath I would take and it was holding me in. I kept trying to walk. I smoked cigarettes and I'm thinking, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. 30, you know, I've never got worn out that quick. And I'm just thinking maybe I'm excited. I don't know. I, I just was thinking I'm not going to be that guy. So I just tried to keep going. This was different than that though. This was like a, you could feel it. It was like holding my breath in. I finally dropped the one knee and, uh, Ken's cousin, they're, it's his cousin, but we're all about the same age. No, it was his nephew, which was weird because we're all about the same age. I was when he told me his nephew, I thought he was going to be this young kid, but he's actually about our age. He was standing kind of next to me, and he he actually come over and standing there making sure I was okay. But he was chuckling, laughing. And I'm like, "What are you laughing?" He said, "This happens to most people we bring in the first time." So and and so what I did was I said, "Let go, please let go." I don't know why I said that, but I did. And it was like instant relief. There was no time to recover. I, I could breathe perfectly. And I don't know what that was, Tony. I just was like, okay, maybe I'm being a little cocky here. I'm not believing these guys, but there's something bizarre in these woods. You could feel it. And then we had an incident happen that night, a couple incidents, actually. The red lights coming out of the tree, walking right towards Doug and I, about 2 o'clock in the morning. 
you could hear the bipedal walking and it turned uh, to our right. It would have been to its left. It sort of went down over this little slope of the hill and on the other side of the tent. And that's where Ken and his wife were sitting over there on a, on a log. So I went over, sat down next to him, and I said, you won't believe what we just saw. And then we could hear this peeing in the woods off to our left where this thing had walked, like a man pissing, you know, taking a leak in the woods. It's an unmistakable sound. I started laughing, and Ken took the haste on it. was being disrespectful, but he said, I told you, that's them. That's what they do. I thought that was bizarre. Now, he doesn't allow flashlights. Don't turn flashlights on. Don't scare them. Don't startle them. He don't know how to... You know, none of that stuff. We don't even have a campfire because he believes in getting your night vision, which I, I do too now. I mean, I like the campfire thing too, but I, I see where he was coming from with it. Uh, but I still, this thing never came into my night vision, like my where I could see in the dark. It, it seemed like it stayed right outside of that. I could see the eyes, and they, they started red. They actually turned green or white, and they were kind of clear. But they were emitted. It was emitted light. It was not reflective. Uh I would never believe this if somebody does. That's kind of going into the woo thing. But again, I didn't see the body, so I can't say that was a Sasquatch. I just don't know. But I, here, I, I think a lot of places this way. But Pennsylvania, this, these woods up there are so old. And I, from what I understand, a lot of Indian uh, burial grounds and different things. And you know, who knows what's up there? Back in the seventies, you know, Stan Gordon's. Everyone knows who he is. He investigates Pennsylvania phenomena and. He did the UFO investigations from when we had that influx of UFOs and Bigfoot sightings in the seventies. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just an area that has that. And you, all you got to do is camp and keep an open mind and, and be in the right spot. And you're going to see it, you, you know, the lights, the, you know, but to say what it is, I mean, it's hard to just say that was a Sasquatch. I mean, cause we didn't see it, you know, you didn't see the, you know, we were in an area where there were some broken, you know, I, I believe in the, stick structures and stuff, depending on what they are. And we were in a great area for that. Uh, so, you know, you put two and two together, you kind of think, you know, I don't know, but to me, that feeling of being squeezed was bizarre because nothing had a hold of me. I mean, it wasn't like something physical was standing there holding me, but there was a force that was squeezing me and I couldn't breathe. And, and it, the thing that really was weird was the instant recovery. It, as soon as I asked, please let go. And it was like I was, it was like I was talking to something and it let go. And his cousin laughing just was like, you know, no, he wasn't concerned for me at all. He he was laughing actually. And he said, this happens to most people we bring in here the first time something like this happens. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I'm telling you, it's, you know, there's some weird stuff out there. Yeah. And I've had this conversation with people before, you know, a lot of times and Bigfoot aside, I mean, let's just put that aside. A lot of times people think that evil spirits or spirits in general, ghosts, they're either in old houses or old buildings, and that's it. And that's just not simply true. I mean, we, we've heard of haunted forests before, and if there's going to be a haunted forest, Allegheny National Forest is a pretty good candidate because that yeah. that those forests are so old, and fortunately, yeah. they're preserved pretty well because... Pennsylvania was subject to some serious logging back in the 1800s, and a lot of our old-growth forests did get chopped down, but the Allegheny National Forest was pretty well-preserved from that, and it's huge. And there's tons of history there, like you mentioned about earlier with the, the Native Americans, and it, I just find it very fascinating, the, the stories that I hear that come out of the woods sometimes, like what you're sharing tonight, and you know I hear other people say the same thing. So, uh, All right. 
Yeah, there was a, oh, there was another incident I wanted I was going to tell you about. Now I can't recall it because there's been so many weird ones, but uh, uh, I, I can't recall it right now, Tony. But it had it was in the Allegheny National Forest again. It was another bizarre. You know, I I recall. Oh, yeah, and I hope Jamie King doesn't mind me saying this story. I mean, we did put it out online when it happened, and we took it off because we decided we were going to keep it. You know, we don't want people to start second guessing us. But uh. Him, him, myself, him, uh, Brian Davis, come over from Ohio, Scott Gear. We were going to a place that Scott had grown up as a kid. His family went and camped there. It's in the Allegheny National Forest. He come, they come over from Ohio to do this trip twice a year. So as he grew up, he's got kids now. He started asking his friends to come. And, and he always thought something's in these woods. You know, he's believed it. And then when he heard my encounter, him and I hooked up. I always liked him from the first time I met him. He was always a respectful guy. He invited me up and then a couple of us got together with him and now there's, there's several of us that go up. So anyhow, Jamie shows up and he's got this audio recorder and he says, this audio recorder's pretty wild. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, it's an audio recorder, you know, what's well, he went on to explain how it, it's, it was an older one. It doesn't even have a USB port. Uh, it's a very old one. You can't find them anymore. After what happened to us, we realized how good this thing was. We got online, Brian and I got online. Brian got online and he found a couple. I think there were seven that he found total on YouTube or on eBay. Uh, and they were all like five or 10 grand for this old, you know, because what they were, they, the, he used it for ghost hunting a lot, the ghost, uh, to pick up sounds above and below human hearing. And that's what it does. The circuitry goes way, way below and way above human hearing. And we don't know how it does it and why this was translated into English. Cause it must've came out in English, but, he demonstrated for us and, and we used it that night and he went, him and I, and I think the four of us, it was all four of us standing there. Uh, this is, I don't know, midnight, two in the morning. There's nobody here. We're in the middle of this forest. There's nobody up here. It's not like, you know, anyone near us, probably for miles. And, uh, he asks the short questions like he does with the ghost hunting, nothing deep, but you know, you probably heard it, but the one that really stuck out to me because it's so obvious was, what forest are we in now? You could hear this this voice that says Allegheny. It's just a. I yes. mean, we didn't hear it then. Uh, you could see the light coming on, and he said something responded, so that's how he knew. But then when we play it back, and then he asked all kinds of questions, but you can hear responses to it. Yeah, actually, I do have that recording. So, and Jamie actually told me I can play because I knew you were going to be coming on, and I figured I'd get permission ahead of time. So here's the recording of the entity saying what forest you guys were in, which was the Allegheny National Forest. You'll hear us say, Allegheny. So here we go. Can you tell me the name of this forest? I can hear you off to my right. Is that you? Yes or no? So yeah, that's the recording. And if you listen real closely, I repeated it a couple of times there, but if you listen, it says, Allegheny. It's like kind of breathy and stuff. And Dave, I know you heard it. I definitely hear Allegheny, but uh, it's very fascinating. Now, what is that? You know, is it is it tree spirits? Is it forest spirits? Is it evil? Is it, I, who knows what it is? I mean, I just know these, this forest is bizarre now. My personal opinion is somebody needs to really get into serious study of infrasound 
You know, we all talk about Sasquatch having it, just like most big mammals do, uh, and using it different ways, but it can actually be measured now. And the guy that he took the tape to, or the, not the tape, the recorder to, did some audio research, or does studies audio, and he said this was infrasound, and it, it was in that realm. So I, I really wish that somebody would take a deep interest, and maybe they are, they're just not talking about it. Uh, find the right equipment to really study infrasound and see how we can connect the dots with it because there was something there talking and it was talking in English. Why English? I have no idea, but it was, and I'm not somebody that second guesses this stuff and, you know, make stuff up. Uh, this was very obvious. You know, if anybody wants to hear that, you can ask me for, you know, I'll play it for you. I don't know if I'll send you the recording, but I, I definitely would play it for you. And, uh, it was Jamie. So I don't want to, be sharing that online or anything but yeah it was that was in the allegheny national forest he's another one that i would like to include in the group by the way if i, I got to talk to all these people most of my half if if we get up there to look at that yeah any chance i get to run around the woods with jamie you and whoever else you put together that's like perfect well i think it's because we just happen to be up in the allegheny now it probably doesn't matter who the people are <laughs> i'm trying to to underplay that a little bit. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's you're right. I think a few of us have had experiences and it's just, you know, like I said, once you do, you don't you don't second guess that. You don't you don't have a doubt anymore. You might have a doubt what you're seeing at the time. Not everything's a Sasquatch, not everything's a spirit, not everything's whatever. Uh but you really have to go into these things with an open mind and try to keep the Sasquatch on the brain gone. Don't think everything's going to be a Sasquatch. Don't think, you know, like that bear that stood up on me. My first mind was, oh, my God, there's a Sasquatch, and he's right in front of us, and it's daylight again. This is happening again because the bear stood up. You know, that's just, you try not to have it on the brain, but you do. And it's just one of those things. But when it comes to sounds and stuff that you can't see, yeah, it's very difficult not to have. you got to go in with an open mind and, you know, and to, uh, and if we have time, i, I got to say this, too, about the Allegheny National Forest. Of all places, I, I actually got invited to Todd Neese's beach foot. It's that invite-only thing he has out in Oregon. And uh, this was in 2016. I was invited last year, too, this year, too, but I couldn't make it because of Ryan's death. But anyhow, I'm not going to give the guy's name. He actually runs the the Creature Weekend, and it's on Forks. So anybody that knows who that is knows what I'm talking about. He was at beach foot, too. And Saturday night, we're standing around at the campfire. Everyone's BSing. He was standing there, didn't know any, didn't even know he was listening to us, but he heard me talking to Dan Lindholm, uh, which is a great guy. I met Dan there, and man, this guy's super guy. I love Dan. But he heard me telling Dan my experience in the Allegheny National Forest. He comes over, and he says, I have to interrupt. He said, you're talking about the Allegheny National Forest. I, me and a team go up there, and we research a couple times a year. And I'm like, what? Because I knew this guy was from, I thought at the time, Maryland or somewhere south. You know what I mean? And he says, yeah, they travel up there. And he told me a story that happened to him. And he's not the kind of guy that sounds like any kind of BS or, or not. Uh, and, and I know in the Allegheny National Forest, I got to take it to heart. But they went in, a few of them, on one of their camping trips. And he, he told me he set the area up. They were camping in his little stream. And they put a one of their game trail camps was on the other side of the stream, facing back up to their campsite. One of the guys didn't sleep in the tent. He always slept by the fire in his bedroom. And uh, 
game trail cameras looking at him. You can see the bedroll and see him on the ground at the top, up on the hill. He said in one of the shots, the guy's game, you know, the guy's bedroll's there and everything's fine. The next shot, it's completely gone like it was never there. The next shot, it's back. So they thought when they were looking at it in the morning, thought he just moved, you know, went somewhere, maybe climbed in a tent or something. So they were joking with him the next morning, this guy, and asked him where he went. He said he never left. He said he slept there the whole night. And he said that freaked him out so bad. Now, did the guy sleepwalk and take his, who knows? But, uh, and what set that thing off? Who knows? But the game, the, the trail cam, but he said, literally, he said that's, that's the kind of stuff they experience. And I told him exactly that's, that those woods are so full of something. And, and I know Sasquatch too. There, there's Sasquatch up there, but, uh, you know, there's also spirit. There's, there's some, it's a beautiful woods though. I love that area. Absolutely. Well, Dave, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with the audience and, uh, you know, getting your encounter out there again and kind of filling in some details with, you know, what's going on in the Allegheny National Forest. Absolutely love it, man. I appreciate you being on. Oh, thanks for having me, Tony. We've been wanting to do this for a while. Yes, thanks, sir. Bud. Absolutely. Take care, man. All right. You too. Bye. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please go ahead and share it around on social media. It doesn't matter to me what it is. It could be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It doesn't matter to me, but please share the show if you're interested in helping to advance the show in its popularity because word of mouth is the best way for this show to grow, and that totally depends on the fans of the confessionals. Now, I wanted to get into real quick before we get out of here that Jamie, the guy who recorded the Allegheny National Forest entity, he wanted me to let you guys know that that recorder that he uses actually records below 20 hertz, which is within the infrasound range. And he wanted everybody to know that he did not hear that voice when he recorded it. Neither did Dave Groves. All they heard was the forest around them. It wasn't until they played it back did they hear that voice. So he wanted you guys to understand how that works. He doesn't hear it with a naked ear. It's below human hearing range. And the only way you can hear it is once you record it, you play it back through the audio. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show this week. Stay safe, take care, and I will see you right here next Saturday on The Confessionals.
We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details.